Hey guys, I'm Eric McLean. And I'm Kelly Gramlich. It's time to talk some ACC football. Let's go. Monday, everybody, and welcome into the Gramlick and McLean podcast. We are here to continue and actually to finish up this week, Mac, our ACC under review series with the two teams from the Commonwealth of Virginia. We will have Virginia Tech today and Virginia tomorrow. This interview, you know, these two, Mac, are interesting and even like BC last week because it's hard because the season did not go well. And so you're trying to examine it under a microscope, but you also want to have some optimism for the future and not just sit there and belabor the point, yeah, this team had a terrible year. Right. So I think Bill Roth, the play-by-play voice of the Hokies, balances <laughs> this perfectly. He was so good. And I know you and Bill go way back, Mac. We go way, way back, all the way back to this past football season. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, we, we had the privilege of calling one of the craziest games anyone's ever seen. And that was that you know, Wake Forest at Louisville game. That'll bond uh, two people together. Forever. Forever. <laughs> I mean, you you know, when you see twenty turnovers in one half, uh, I mean it's just or one one quarter, excuse yeah. me, the third quarter. Uh, you know, it's something that you just you'll never forget. And uh Bill is great, so fun to work with and you know, he, he's a he's a really funny guy. He's a great combination of like storytelling and mm-hmm. stats and just analysis of what he sees. And he's been doing it a long time. I mean, th- this was his 28th football season with the Hokies. He did 27 wow. straight and then took a little stint. I think he wanted to just get out of uh, the mountains. He wanted to go down to the beach. You know, he wanted to be down in Florida. Um, and now he's back. He will be again back for the 23 season. So going on 29 years, I, I have to think he wants to get to that 30 mark. Uh, just what, what is really cool and impressive. But Bill made this episode so much fun, a little comic relief, uh, but great analysis. And, and like he said, he just spoke, you'll hear this in the episode, just spoke with Coach, sat down with Coach Pry, and you know, kind of got his vision for, for 23 and, and kind of recapped the season as well. So look out for that episode on, on his social media channels. But really enjoy Bill, our Rock'em Sox guest. And uh, let's just get to it because this was a fun interview. Bill Roth, my man. I've been waiting on this episode, brother. I texted you like two months in advance. I said, hey, we're going to call you. We need you when we get to this Virginia Tech episode. It's finally here, brother. Welcome into the show. Thanks for joining us. I am so excited to be on with both of you. It's great. What an honor. You guys keep things light <laughs> and fun and funny. So That's right. uh, let's talk some uh, Hokies and ACC football. Come on. We're, we're going to do it. We're going to do it, brother. So first year, uh, uh, Coach Pride, you know, I, I think that – it was an interesting process when we, when we look at the hiring thing because you know we, we had heard things out of that camp where we're going after a head coach, we're going to get somebody, this and that, and then Coach Prize hired. And we've said this many times, I didn't know who he was. And I'm like, who the heck is this? But then I start looking into him. I hear his, his speeches. I hear his mindset. I'm like, this is a grand slam hire. This is unbelievable what Virginia Tech has done here. A, a rocky start, to, to say the least. You know, you, you, you lose at ODU get a couple of wins, have a, a just a bad run there, but finish on a super high note. So how would you assess you know year one of, of Coach Prize era? Well, it was a transition year for sure because he came in, I think he likely thought that he may have had more talent on that team than he mm-hmm. did. I think that was uh, number one. And then schematically, I think they wanted to be a running football team and, and try to work the clock, run the ball, and with a 
injured Malachi Thomas for most of the season. They didn't really have the back that could do that. And now they're trying to change their offensive scheme, so to speak, in midstream. And they didn't have the personnel to do that either. Uh, there were also some other things that will be different for this year. You know, this year in year one, Coach Pry called the defenses. He'll be turning that completely over to Chris Marv as the defensive okay, coordinator. Okay, let's go. And he felt we visited last week, actually, coming up the next uh, week or so. We're actually going to have a, a show that Coach Pry and my longtime analyst, Mike Burnup, and I recorded with Brent a couple days ago. And he talked about that. He said coaching the defense took his attention away from time management, mm. how to use timeouts, visiting with special teams huddles before a play, making in game decisions because he was calling the defense. So. That's what I mean when I say it was somewhat of a transition year. They didn't really have the pieces, the parts of the puzzle that they wanted, and and Coach Pry wasn't a hundred percent sure on how he wanted to run the defense, so to speak. But in twenty three, Chris Marv will call all the defense, and Pry will be one hundred percent head coach on the sidelines. That is interesting and good to know because I remember when we talked with Coach Pry preseason, he said, "Oh yeah, I'm calling the defense," and. I think it can be tough for a guy that's been a coordinator for so long and the defense is his baby and he just doesn't want to let it go. But there's so much that goes into being a head coach and kind of being that CEO on the sidelines. Overall, with this team and with the locker room, Bill, I mean, we know it was a rough year, but you, there were a lot of losses that were close, close, tough losses. And then to finish with the win over Liberty, I thought was was impressive for sure. So how do you feel like the locker room and the, the players handled this season overall? I thought that was probably one of the highlights. If there was two highlights, it was the recruiting and the reconnection with coaches throughout the Commonwealth of Virginia, and B, exactly what you mentioned, Kelly, the, the locker room, the, the attitude on the team, and not just in the locker room, right, in the weight room. Sometimes when you have uh, um, a bad season, you can see issues occur in a weight room or in the classroom. They had none of that. And, and so when you look at that overall health of a program, the one-loss record is the number one thing we all look at, of course, whether you're a fan or an administrator or a broadcaster or whomever, right? The record's the most important thing. But when you do a deeper dive into the other things, the academics and transfer percentage and see kids improving in the weight room, all of those metrics are really up. And I think that is why, for those of us that see that, you have, you have such high hopes for what this team and this program can be. I love that. Two two really good points there, Bill. And before we jump into to, you know, some individual play, I, I do want to touch on, you know, what you just said there in recruiting and the importance of getting back into the Commonwealth and the 757 and Richmond and everywhere in between. Why is that such a great importance to this coaching staff and for Virginia Tech? Well, every Virginia Tech football team of note over the last 40 years has had a lot of in-state players and just about every tech all ACC player or NFL player is a native Virginian. There's exceptions to the rule, some Florida kids, but every great tech quarterback, whether it was Michael Vick or Marcus Vick or Brian Randall or Logan Thomas, you can go through the list. Tyrod Taylor, they're all Virginia guys. And, Mm -hmm. you know, three years ago, Virginia Tech guys signed one in-state player. That's almost mathematically impossible, right, to sign just one. That's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah, this year, 13 of them. And – and, and by the way, let me give you an, another angle here. So Fontel Mines, who played at UVA, former really good player at Virginia, is on Virginia Tech staff. He signed just about every one of those in-state players wow. this year. And so they gave him a big raise. So <laughs> the, the, 
the the Hokie Nation is proud of our on staff Wahoo uh, <laughs> coach Mines, but but it, it's very important. Clearly, whether it's Northern Virginia or the Hampton Roads area, the Tidewater area, which you call the seven five seven, and it's challenging. Everybody in the ACC, you know, Shane Beamer's in there, you know, working right. it hard in that right. area from South Carolina. So it's a very fertile area, and it's one that that both Tech and UVA really have to do a good job to develop those relationships to keep those in-state kids around. Yeah, and, and I think that that was – man, we, we just said before we even know who, who knew who the coach was, we said, hey, number one goal, put a fence up around Virginia. You have to keep those players because, you know, people like North Carolina, Clemson, all these different teams, are they're coming in and taking the best talent. And, and how can we make it cool again to stay in-state? How can we make it a thing where – I want to represent that VT on my helmet uh, and, and play for those great fans. And I think that's what they're doing. And I think that's a vital piece. Um, let's jump into to some individual play here, Bill, because, you know, looking at the quarterback position, it's the most important in any sport. We all know that. And Grant Wells, I mean, he, he showed some flashes where I was like, man, if we can just get more of that, we'll be in a really good spot. But there's other times where I'm just scratching my head, wondering what, what he would be looking at. So in your opinion, did, did he do enough to be the guy going into this spring, going into this next year, or are we going to see you know some some interesting battles there? I don't think Kyron Drones transfer from Baylor to come to Virginia Tech if he didn't have a shot to win the starting sure. quarterback, yeah. and and I think everyone knows that, and that is the new reality of college football, particularly at the quarterback position, right? And and I think Drones is going to have a great chance. I think right now, if he's not the most athletic player in Tech's football program, he's second, or it's one A and one B. He's a unique. He's a very unique player, and I'm excited to see him play. The difference is, is that Wells has a lot of experience, all those years at Marshall and a year at Tech under his belt. I think it's going to be a very interesting spring, but it will be a battle. And Pry mentioned to me last week. He says we're going to open it up everywhere. Uh, they they signed two transfer receivers. They got a couple of transfer running backs. They have a whole bunch of kids who enrolled early. And while it might be hard for some of those new offensive line guys to play, you know, it's probably uh, unrealistic for a freshman offensive lineman to come in and, and, and play right away. Everything else is wide open, including quarterback. Yeah, and it should be probably after this kind of season. And you're able to have a full offseason with your guys, and you can use the portal. And I, I like that Pry is doing that, but also saying we've got some guys in this roster, we're recruiting in-state, we want to – not go full on portal, like sell out to the portal, if you will. But another guy that Virginia Tech has brought in is Allie Jennings, the wide receiver. I think he's he's one that you were alluding to there, Bill. Have you heard anything about him, seen him at all? Well, he had a really good game against the Hokies last year. <laughs> Bill saw him <laughs> there a lot. You go. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, in fact, Allie Jennings won the Old Dominion game for the Monarchs yeah. Yeah. against the Hokies. One of the players, right? He had a really good game. Nice. And that's an example of, of, of Fontel Mines in a relationship that he had. Look, I understand it. I mean, we have seen this before, right? Virginia Tech won a men's basketball ACC championship with, with two former Wofford players, yeah. you know, right? Well, we have seen that. We saw point. Florida State. Well, Florida State has all those transfers, and they're doing so well. And, and now what happens is you've got guys on your team playing against their former team, and that could happen. Hokies play Marshall this year. Grant Wells mm -hmm. playing against Marshall. Mm -hmm. That's a... That's our version of Sam Hartman going against the wind, right? I mean, <laughs> right. it's just, it, it, it tastes different, right? For longtime yeah. football fans to have your guy playing against you or 
your new player playing against his old team. But I think Jennings really, really is a huge addition for Tech for a couple of reasons. Uh, Caleb Smith was probably Virginia Tech's only real deep threat last year as a receiver, and he transferred to Notre Dame with Hartman. Right. Uh, so it's right. Package deal. So, Package can't deal. Can't keep baby. up. Can't keep up. I mean, geez. I know. So so they so they needed some help, and uh, you know whether you. Call it collegiate's version of uh, a free agent signing. Jennings is a huge guy. There's no question. I'm excited to see it. Just again, I, I think that that was a piece that was really missing outside, you know, of what we saw from Caleb and, and the things that he was able to do. So now that that you have that, can it expound? Can it get better? Bill, we, we talk about all these open positions and, and battles and going back on different struggles. What, what, in your opinion, you saw these guys every week. You're there in practice. Sometimes you see all this. What, what could you pinpoint specifically that you know maybe caused more of the offensive struggles than, than than most? I don't think they had the back that they wanted that could run the ball. Mm-hmm. They they and, and whether it's the back or the offensive line, whatever they they want to run the ball and they couldn't. They were never a consistent running team. And if you're going to play the system that they do. And, and your quarterback doesn't give you a whole lot in the run game, I thought, and Coach Prime mentioned this a little bit, they became very easy to defend. Yeah. Because they, they couldn't go over the top. They didn't have a big play. They couldn't push you around up front. And so you know what happens then? You you punt a lot. And, uh, and, and, and so I think that was the number one the thing is their inability <laughs> to run the ball. Yeah. Yeah. And I agree with you. And I think it's it's – this is a world, man, it will never change in college football. The line of scrimmage is mm-hmm. so important. And if you can stop the run, you're going to be really good. If you can run the ball, you're going to be really good. And I think that that's just something that, that you know, when we see teams struggle, it's, it's, it's easy to look right there at those lines of scrimmage and say, okay, we can figure this out better. Can we keep going? How about the defensive side of the ball? Because I, I, this unit, again, just flashy. Just you, you can see that it's there. You can see that things are, are happening, but – it just wasn't consistent enough. Pretty much middle of the pack when you talk about yardage and points, but dead last in, in turnovers created and, and second to last in, in sacks. And you know that those are two areas that Virginia Tech normally thrives in. How do you expect, I guess, them to move forward in those two areas specifically in twenty three? That was a big impact, uh, a big focus in recruiting and in the portal as well. They they did not get interceptions last year. They were not the ball hawking defense that they wanted to be. Uh, Coach Pry wanted that defense to look a lot like Penn State's defense, which really runs to the ball and attacks and swarms, and it never got to that point. Uh, this is stuff that gets fixed through recruiting. Uh, th- again, like you said, th- they weren't bad defensively, but they never could come up with that game-breaking pick, and they didn't get the they didn't get fumbles, and they were dead last in that category. And it's hard to win, uh, you know. The analytics of it, the field position, they were always starting at the minus 23. Right, right. And, <laughs> you know, it, it, it can help your offense and your points per game if you're starting on the plus 30 or, or, or better or getting a couple of pick sixes. They didn't have one. And, and so I think that, that they, they're going to work really hard in that regard uh, moving forward. Clearly, running the ball on offense and creating turnovers on defense are, are A and B or 1A and 1B for this season. Yeah, points of emphasis heading into this season for sure. And, you know, we wanted to, it's tough when we do these under-review episodes for teams that struggled because there's, you know, the the under-review part is not exactly pleasant because we're breaking it down and seeing what went wrong. We just released Boston College last week and it was similar. But 
What separates Virginia Tech, and Mac and I said this many, many times as we were breaking down games throughout the fall, these fans show up and they deserve a winning football team. They are there, rain or shine, they are there when, you know, Virginia Tech's completely down in the dumps, they show up. And that's always impressed me about Virginia Tech. So why do you think that is, Bill? I mean, you've been around this program for a long time. You understand Hokie Nation. It seems if you're going to keep showing up through that season, you're going to show up regardless. And, and I'm impressed by that. Me too. Me too. <laughs> yeah. uh, Coach Pryde mentioned that several times that he used it as recruiting. He, he, he had kids yeah. on campus and he said, you know, we're, we're, we've got two wins. It's 41 degrees. It's pouring down rain. Uh, it's foggy. You can't even see the top of the stadium. Uh, Georgia Tech is here. They stink. Uh, and there's 64,000 people there. Right. Imagine right. what it's like when we start winning. So that, that was prize pitch. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's, it's cultural and it's institutional, which is like really like academic words. Uh, people, in, <laughs> people in Virginia like going to Virginia Tech football games. Yeah. It's a state... Uh, it's the ninth biggest state in the country, population-wise, mm. and there's not a single pro team. Uh, there's a lot of people in Virginia, and uh, they love the Hokies. Even if they didn't go to school at Virginia Tech, they're, they're like the pro team. And Eric knows this stat. It's, it's a good stat and a bad stat. There, there were only two college teams that lost eight games and averaged over 60,000 fans a game last year, uh, Nebraska and Virginia Tech. Wow. And and that's not a list you necessarily want to be on. It's kind of a bittersweet list, but but in this instance, I think it goes to show that you're you're right. The 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 Hokie Nation, the fan base has really never left, and is totally bought in on Pry. Mm-hmm. And they're going to come, win or lose, rain, shine, fog, whatever whatever the weather is. Uh, they pack that place each and every week. Bill, that stat is ridiculous. I had not heard that stat. Wow. Um, the, the people of Nebraska and, and, and Virginia Tech, Southern Virginia, know, know what's up. Bill, I'm just curious your thoughts on this because I'm looking at Virginia Tech's schedule. We actually have the schedule for this episode. Some of the previous episodes, we didn't have the schedule yet. How do you feel and how do you think Virginia Tech fans feel? Because give me the vibe on this. Playing Old Dominion and Marshall. When I see that, I think, why? Why on earth are you doing that? And I get it that from a money perspective to do a home and home, it, it helps, et cetera. But how do you feel when Virginia Tech has Old Dominion and at Marshall on the schedule, especially considering what Old Dominion did to the Hokies last year? You want the politically correct answer? No. 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 <laughs> I mean, I've got a lot of friends at Old Dominion and at Marshall. So. Oh, good. So you get to have a reunion, Bill. That's great. <laughs> you know, Jim Phillips doesn't want ACC teams playing home and homes yes, with non-power fives. And so that came out. There was a... a the Raleigh newspaper did a big story about it. Mm-hmm. And, and that impacts like a, a school like South Florida, right? Because they've always, ACC teams are going to Tampa and there's a, there's a, a reason to perhaps play like in Tampa if you recruit down there. Sure, and I think for sure. Virginia Tech to play in the 757, you could make the argument that it's, it's, it's close to those kids. It's close to Hampton and Newport News and Norfolk and Virginia Beach. And it's mm-hmm. right in the heart of it. And if Virginia Tech is having the kind of program it, it has, uh, it shouldn't matter where the game is with Old sure. Dominion or Marshall. Sure. But from a television standpoint, um, our, 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 obviously our league's deal is with ESPN. 
And, and when Virginia Tech plays a road game at Marshall, that's not part of the ESPN television package. That hurts our league's inventory. That hurts the league's bottom line. And moving forward, when you talk about strength of schedule, it hurts there as well. So as we yeah. get into the college football playoff era, it makes no sense. Yeah. So that, that's the short end. <laughs> there you right? go, Bill. It, it makes no sense to play. Yeah. And, and that's what Jim Phillips says. At the same time, you want to be fair to the athletes. Look, sure. it, it, in my mind, mm-hmm. I'd love to play a 10-game ACC schedule. Yes, right? come Let's, on. Now you we're know, talking. Look, the, the COVID era. Remember when the SEC every yeah. game was yeah. a conference game for one yeah. year? I mean, but but you know, as Jim points out, every school has different scheduling responsibilities, right? Sure. Some some of the teams in our league have to play an SEC game in week twelve. Correct. Others don't have the finances to do it. They have to play a road game. Other teams can pack their stadium regardless of who they play. I think that it's a financial decision and it's a really tough balancing act for athletic directors. It is cheaper for Virginia Tech to play Old Dominion. And 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 Marshall home and home, right. than to, than like during the Beamer era, you could buy home games with Kent State, Miami, Ohio, right? You would, but but those those game costs now. We saw Oklahoma and Georgia playing Mac paying Mac teams a million five, a million six for a game, and um, I don't know that it's Virginia Tech athletic director's responsibility to fund sure. uh, an exactly. American conference exactly. program. So there's that balance. I. In my mind, I, I'd love to be playing Tennessee and South Carolina and yeah. Georgia and Texas A&M. Uh, you know, it's so funny. One, one uh, year on Coach Beamer's radio show, I said, man, I, I wish Tech could play Florida State every year. Like, even when they're not on the schedule, schedule them as a non-conference team. <laughs> and, uh, and Coach Beamer, he, he cocked his head to one side and he goes, are you crazy? Yeah. Why would I do that? <laughs> have you have you ever tried to cover a kick against those guys? <laughs> and of course, that's what he, he says: cover a kick. He doesn't say anything. Else. It's Beamer ball, baby. Yeah, he's of course, bring he's it thinking up. special teams. That's so, brilliant. So it's like I get it. I get it. Um, but look, we're going to go to Marshall, and they've got great people over there, and yeah, uh, <laughs> and uh, try to. That's you know, Marshall won nine games last year. I know. They beat no, they beat Notre Dame. They got yeah. good players and really yeah. good coaches. So, uh, uh, and there's a, there's a history between those two schools, but I, I'm going to, I'm going to side with the commissioner, Jim Phillips. I think ACC teams should only play other power five teams. And, and I'd like to see an additional conference game, uh, in the ACC as well. But again, that they don't let us broadcasters, uh, <laughs> make legislation in that. I don't regard. know why. I don't that know That was a why. great nuanced, <laughs> somewhat politically correct, but also somewhat real answer, Bill. That was great. That's right. Good he answer. got into it. He got into it. He, he knows what he's doing. Bill, I, you know, we talk about this schedule a little bit, the changes. Kind of just wanted your opinion on, you know, uh, Virginia Tech's permanent three and, and then this this new world that we're we're going to be in with no divisions. Is that good for Virginia Tech? W- what are your thoughts on, on this new model that we're going to be playing with starting this season? I love it for the players, and I think overall for the health of the league, it is good mm-hmm. from a selfish standpoint. Tech has played Miami every year yeah. since 1991, and so that goes away. Uh, you know, it's going to be really hard on coaches because some teams are going to be out of this race in September, whereas in the past with the divisions, you could make a run. Oh, very true. Right? Okay, no one's pointing that out. That's, That's very true. true. And, and so, uh, you know... Someone's going to finish 14th and 13th, and, and that's well, hard I would to add, spell. Except for the two or three bottom teams of the Atlantic every year. They've been out since, like, <laughs> you know, September. So they, those coaches have dealt with July. it. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, like, you know how it is. Like, the Pittsburgh Pirates are eliminated from the division by, like, Memorial Day every year, and and that's going to happen in our league. You know, I and, and 
Um, and I'll give you one other thing that I that I need to get some clarity on. Like, so we don't have divisions. So let let's say let's say Florida State and Clemson finish one two, like they're going to be picked. Okay, what if Louisville has a great year? Okay, Coach Brom comes in. Louisville doesn't play either one of those teams. Mm-hmm. Ooh. <laughs> so the tiebreaker is head to head. Well, they don't play. Well. Who's going to the championship game? And, and flip point. that coin, Bill. Flip the coin. No. <laughs> That's a good point. Is or is it ranking in the playoff um, poll? The ACC Matt? hasn't announced that yet. Yeah. So I don't oh, know if it's how you did against the fourth place team. That's yeah. the thing. At least in the past, coming down the stretch in November, you knew what route you had to make the championship game. Right. If, sure. you're, if you're Jeff Brom and you're Louisville, for example, just this year, mm-hmm. and that's going to change because, I, again, again, I like the three – you know, the new model, right? But 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 you could see a situation where Louisville fans are like, "Wait a minute, we're not playing Clemson, we're not playing Florida State. We've got a really good team. What about us? We don't have sure. a chance to prove it on the field." That those those are the mm-hmm. there's some things that'll come out. That, but the uh, argument there is, you go undefeated, and Clemson and Florida State do have to play each other, so someone's going to have a loss. I mean, you have a. I, I would still, if I'm Louisville, say I don't have Clemson, and Florida State. Great, I, I would still approach it that way. I'd say you don't deserve to be in. Uh, Bill, what would you do? So if we got to that, what uh, what 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 would you want it to be? What would you want the tiebreaker to be? We always go with the best steakhouse in town, Eric. So that would be a <laughs> uh, playoff. man. Come on. <laughs> Who has the biggest T-bone? Clemson's not winning That's anything. Jeff Ruby's. Jeff Ruby's is winning that. For sure. <laughs> that is brilliant. All right, be- before we get out, out of here, Bill, this, this has been so much fun. Uh, just give us some expectations, man, because, again, you're, you're in the program – you just talked with Coach. That episode's coming out soon. Um, his thoughts, your thoughts on, you know, what should Hokie Nation be looking forward to in 23? Okay, so when Drone signed with Baylor, that was a really big recruit for them. He was a very highly recruited player. He won championships at the highest level in Texas. The 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 Kyron Drones, Grant Wells quarterback focus is going to be really important at Virginia Tech. Secondly, there's um, – a big running back room. I, I think that that is wide open as well. And I think the competition will make those guys better uh, going into spring ball. And then the third thing, and and, and Coach Pry and I talked about that, uh, this, there's going to be a second wave of portal movement after spring ball nationally. That's right. And, and so we had the big boost earlier. It's going to happen again, right? There's going to be players that at the end of spring ball at their respective institution go, oh, man, I'm not playing. Mm-hmm. Where is there some playing time? So mm-hmm. I don't know that I don't know if uh, you know. There may be different players on that Virginia Tech roster in August, and everybody's roster. Sure. Then there are going into spring ball, and the 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 beauty of the portal is that you can get kids. The negative is you can lose them, and uh, so those are the three things. But for me personally, I want to see the quarterback battle at Virginia Tech because uh, Tech did not have consistent quarterback play last year. Very good play at times. And but inconsistent quarterback play leads to losses, and yeah. they're going to have to be better at that position to get to where they want to be this fall. Yeah, uh, and, and I think one even you know interesting point about that is even if one doesn't separate the the fact that there is someone there will help push you even further. I, I think that we have seen many times you know where there's only one guy and he can perform however he wants to perform. You ain't putting anybody else in because there is nobody else, and hopefully that's what we see. You know, change at a minimum. That's what we see. Now, you, you would love to see competition breed greatness, and and we've got this guy who's just going to be a dude for us 
and and I hope that that's what we see. But I think at a minimum, that competition, everything you just said there is going to get them going. We're excited, man. Hokie Nation, I know they are as well. Need to get them back to the promised land. And uh, you know, certainly think Coach Pride's the guy for it. This was a lot of fun, Bill. Appreciate your time for joining us today. I love this show. I love. I watch it all the time. And uh, thanks for having me on. Appreciate you both and the passion you bring uh, to our conference. Go get them, guys. Thanks again to our guy, Bill, for joining us here on this episode. We got a little philosophical at the end talking about should Virginia Tech be playing Old Dominion and uh, I think that's a fun conversation and Jim Phillips as Bill indicated has made his points and his thoughts on that very clear that he doesn't want that to happen but Virginia Tech is locked into play Old Dominion from now till the end of time so I I don't know something's got to give there I'm not sure Bill's stat really blew my mind that there are two fan bases out there that averaged more than 60,000 fans per game and lost eight games this year Nebraska and Virginia Tech. That was an amazing stat. I was blown away by that. Uh, Those probably would have been my two guesses, but still to hear that stat. And Mac, you and I talked about it all season. We we would Mm -hmm. just say, you know, prayers up for the Hokies fans because they still showed up and they deserve almost more than any fan base in this league. Honestly, they deserve a good team. They deserve a team that is worth cheering for and worth showing up in these in this terrible weather to watch. And I really hope they get it. And I do think for this year, you know, it's interesting. We ask expectations at the end. And Bill didn't give us much just because you don't know much. I mean, I get <laughs> Did that. Did you catch on to that? <laughs> you don't know much. But when you look at the schedule, you don't have Clemson, you don't have North Carolina, and you don't have Miami. I know they're sad about not having Miami. Oh. So it is somewhat manageable. But in the end, when you look at Virginia Tech, you you think you got to beat Old Dominion and you got to beat Marshall. Like, these are the games <laughs> You have to win at Marshall, by the way, as Bill was saying, not exactly a cupcake. Yeah. So their schedule, it's, yeah, you avoid some of the heavy hitters, but it's still a lot of the teams they're playing in the ACC are some of those middle of the pack, you know, right. Syracuse, Louisville, which are not guaranteed wins for the Hokies. No, no. I mean, it, it's going to be one of those, you know, seasons where, okay, we have to start winning the games we're supposed exactly. to win. Exactly. And and that is Marshall, that is ODU, and that Marshall game ain't going to be easy. I mean, you're going to their house. This was a top, I think, eight defense in the country. A lot of those players are coming back for Marshall. It's going to be the same team, and guess what? They get after the quarterback. Virginia Tech wasn't too great at protecting. Grant Wells, especially at the end of the season, had two games where it was six or more sacks that he got hit. Um, and they were fantastic at, at forcing turnovers, which, as we know, Grant has had a little bit of a, an issue there protecting the football. So that game, honestly, it, that's going to tell me yeah. so much about who Virginia Tech is and, and who they're going to be for this season. So I'm super intrigued just to see that, and you know, just hearing from Bill and you know, he, hearing the, about the quarterback competition and and how you know that's hopefully going to make everybody better. It's going to produce a really good, talented guy that is going to lead this Hokie team. And, and I think when you look at the running back position, you know, Malachi has to be the guy, has to stay healthy. He was such like a, a revelation his first year. Like he came in and it was just, oh my goodness, who is this kid? He's a big back, he's young. Uh, and then, you know, last year just plagued with injury in, in, a, in a year that I think everybody thought he was going to be the bell cow, he was going to be the guy. And so, you know, when, when I look at that, I look at both lines of scrimmage, I just remember KG going to their practice when we went, I think it was week two last year. Um, I'm looking around like, where are the dudes? Mm-hmm. Where, where yeah. are the 
long, athletic, freaky-looking you know, athletes that I've come to expect from Virginia Tech, they're just not there. And so, you know, these guys have to go and recruit, have to go in the portal and figure it out and get them. But the the one thing that stays true, and, and you just mentioned it, these fans are amazing. I mean, every time that we go to Virginia Tech, it's so much fun. The passion is there. The electricity is like no other. Um, and it, it's just, I cannot imagine, you know, like a 10 and 0 ranked team welcoming in a big opponent. I mean, that place will be... It used to happen. We've seen it. I mean, with Shane Beamer, we... Or sorry, not right. Shane. Frank. <laughs> not Shane. That's right. That's right. I agree. Not and, trying to uh, allude to anything. That's right. And, and like you said, they, they deserve it. Um, the fan base never has left their side. And, and I think we, we've seen that from other fan bases. We've seen, you know, a Florida State team fall from grace and stadium's empty. I mean, we got people reading books at football games. You don't ever see that at Virginia At least Tech. that guy was and there. So, you know. Yeah, shout out to him. Well, he was he up. there? He, he was sitting in the He stand. said, I'm going to support my team, but I can't watch, so I'm going to bring a book. <laughs> but I can't watch. But anyway, great episode from Bill. Super grateful for his time. And uh, we're wrapping it up, KG. One more of these episodes. It's been such a fun mini-series. Really appreciate you guys tagging along here. But we'll be back later this week with UVA and, and close the door uh, on this ACC under review. But appreciate you guys. Thanks for tuning in. Another great episode of Gramlick and McElane. Do us a favor. Go over to YouTube. Mash the subscribe button right here if you're watching us. Really appreciate all y'all's support. Uh, this has been a really fun ride. And also the OGs go over to Apple Podcasts. Rate, review, subscribe. We would greatly appreciate that. Uh, but until next time, we'll see y'all. 